0: Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. So welcome back to Paris History, Evica Hemingway. Today we are talking about Joanna Van Gogh, which I know nothing about. And I'm sure Claudine's going to just fill our brains with lots of information. But apparently she was a fascinating woman, of course, and was basically Vincent Van Gogh's PR woman, from what I understand. So mm-hmm. we're going to learn a lot about that and her connections to the Van Gogh family. And I'm excited to hear about this one. So I'll let Claudine take it from here.
1: Yeah, she is um, really fascinating and just absolutely amazing. And it's uh, not a lot of people know about her, but we're going to hopefully change that because people need to know about how amazing of a woman she was. So Joanna uh, Van Gogh was born, well, Bonger. Joanna uh, Bonger was born in Amsterdam in 1862 she was a fifth of seven children, and when she was little, she was really happy and she came, she was born into a musical family everybody you know sang or played an instrument she played the piano, and her um, family they just they would travel they would go to different places and and play music for friends and families and and so her parents let her focus on her education, which was something you know in eighteen sixty 1860, in eighteen sixty two it wasn 't really a big thing. So they let her focus on her education, and she studied English, which you know, which is also kind of way back then. So, but she studied English, and she basically got the equivalent of a college degree in English at school. So after that, she decided to go to the um, to to London to go to the British Museum Library, and she was there working and. Before that, after that, she returned back to the Netherlands and began teaching at a girls boarding school and in a in the town of Utrecht. So she was up there teaching and her brother, she, you know, she had five, um, six other siblings and her brother Andreas um, lived in Paris and had met um, the Van Gogh brothers. And so she was visiting one time and and she went there and he took him, took her over and to introduce her to Vincent and Theo Van Gogh. And, you know, she was just kind of meh, whatever. (laughs) I don't care. But Teo, apparently, she left quite the lasting impression because he was instantly, like, basically love at first sight with her. And um, she, but she was kind of, you know, she just didn't really she really wasn't that interested. And so months and months go by and he comes up to Utrecht to visit her and basically like pledges his undying love to her. Like, I love you. I, you know, I've missed you. I just want to spend the rest of my life with you. Wow. Intense. Intense. She was completely freaked out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Vincent move, actually.
1: I know. Well, now it's like, now that's so like, that's something you could have today. But it's like, back then it was just like, oh, I think you're pretty. Okay, let's get married. You know, it didn't yeah. really have the. But she was completely freaked out. She thought it was really strange that somebody she really didn't even know came to her and said how much he loved her. And <laughs> so, yeah, very strange. And so she, but he wore her down. And so he, you know, obviously she, she decided to change, you know, her ways and all of a sudden thought he was just, you know, the sun and the moon. And so they ended up getting married on April 17th, 1889. Oh, so it worked being a stalker. It, it did work being a stalker. Then. <laughs> well, probably because it, you know, I think to be a stalker that you had to literally be a stalker. <laughs> There's nothing wow. digital. So it runs in the family
0: stalking limit. It sounds
1: like it, it does. So nine months later, Right after they were married, they had a son, Vincent Willem Van Gogh, and they're living down in Paris, and Theo is doing all that he could do, you know, to support his brother. Theo was, um, working as a, um, as in with artists and trying to get, you know, like trying to sell their art and trying to support them. And, uh, so Joanna was there and they have this little baby and, um, they're in paris and vincent is down in the south of france so theo was a lot younger than vincent and he was the you know the art dealer and he had started working in the hague um office of a paris art dealer and then they they sent him down to paris to work and he but he was constantly really a big supporter of vincent he even when he was back in in, and the netherlands he would buy art supplies and he would send them to vincent and so that he you know could continue working And so in 1886, you know, Vincent comes to Paris, moves into, you know, comes to Teo and says, oh, I'm here. I can't afford to live up there anymore. And Teo's living in this teeny, 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 tiny apartment. So Uh he comes there. um, But Teo, through Teo, he was able to, Vincent met um, Toulouse-Lautrec, Gauguin, Cézanne, Henri Rousseau, Pissarot, Serrat. like all of these, you know, now we all, you know, obviously, you, you know these people by just their last name. Yeah, yeah. So in 1888, Tao convinced Gauguin to go down to the south to see Vincent where he was. Uh, because Vincent was kind of having a hard time. And, you know, Vincent really wanted to create this uh, his own little artist community, like a little colony and have all these different artists come down there. But, you know, most of the artists, I think, you know, saw that, you know. Vincent was a little volatile at times. Yeah, you (laughs) don't say. (laughs) Teo paid for all of Gauguin's living expenses, his travel, everything. Teo paid for everything. He took care of him, basically. Yeah, so while he was there, he was the one, Teo was the one that was sending um, letters back up to, or Gauguin was there. He was sending letters back up to Teo saying, this is what's going on with your brother right now. And, you know, the famous ear cutting off episode that was all down there in the south of France. And that was kind of a little bit about Gauguin because Gauguin was going to leave. So, but during this whole time, Teo and Vincent were sending letters like daily to each other. Uh and Teo saved every single one of those letters. Vincent did not. Vincent, they, or at least nobody's ever found any of them. So Teo saved all of these letters from, from his brother. and. So Joanna loved, you know, she she was deeply in love with her husband. Like they had a really good relationship. She really adored Vincent too. She, you know, watched Teo, con- you know, constantly being the one that, to support uh, Vincent, you know, mentally, financially, everything. But she also saw saw how it kind of took the toll on on Teo, you know, because it was hard for him. So on July 29th eighteen ninety at thirty seven, Vincent decided to you know he died he decided to end his life there's a lot of controversy did he do it was it somebody that shot him but we won't get into that <laughs> yeah yeah we will that's a long story there That's so the whole other story so teo was of course you know crushed and you know he and joanna had just taken they had just gone to go visit them and, you know Vincent right just about a month and a half before that they took you know you know baby Vincent who was named after him and went to go see him and thought he you know oh he's actually really doing really well and then of course you know a month month or so later he ends up you know killing himself just a few months later Teo ends up getting admitted to an asylum in the Netherlands and he was having going through a really hard time he was having you know just he lost his brother but he you know was going with depression and all these other things. So, he was in the Netherlands and 2 months later on January 25th, 1891, he died. 6 months after oh, Vincent died. They were really close. Very close. And so his daughter Dr. wrote in a in the in the paperwork that he died of heredity, chronic disease, overwork and sadness. Oh, this is so depressing. <laughs> I know, it's so sad. So oh. So now Joanna, here she's left. She's been married, you know, two years. Oh, that was so short. Yeah, she has, you know, this little baby and she's lost her husband and her brother-in-law. And, you know, I'm sure she was like, what exactly am I going to do? She's in Paris. She's in this apartment that's filled with paintings of Vincent's. Just literally filled with paintings. Because when he, Vincent was alive, they only sold one painting. Well, in, while he was alive. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so the apartment, you know, of course, Tao is just, you know, and he was an insanely fast painter. Like Gauguin was just like, you need to slow down. But he could do, you know, a canvas or two sometimes in, in a day. Um, so then when he, when they, after he died, their paintings that, you know, they found tons of paintings that were still wet. Like they hadn't wow. yet. So, jo- you know, here's Joanna in her apartment. Her brother comes down to visit her and says you know, what are you going to do with all this? You know, you, you should just get rid of them. Just like you know, trash them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she, you know, she said, oh no, you know, she, she really loved Vincent. She let, you know, obviously loved her husband and she knew how important this was to her husband. And she was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. So she packs everything up and takes everything back to the Netherlands. She settles in this tiny town called Bussum and opens up a boarding school. But she did it. She was so smart because she picked that town because it was known for having a ton of art dealers and art critics. Oh, that was smart. Yes. Yeah, so she goes to this little teeny tiny town and and she's there. she's got all these paintings. and she you know she was in she was still very close and in touch with a lot of um, Teo and Vincent's uh, friends. Like Monet came and visited her and told her that, you know, his paintings were so wonderful. He didn't understand how somebody so depressed could paint such be- with such beautiful colors. Uh-huh. And so, and Piero came and said that the flowers look like people, like the people, uh, the, like the sunflowers and stuff, like to him, they look like people. And uh-huh. after I read that, I looked at him and I was like, Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a stretch.
1: <laughs> so she, um, in 1901, she ended up remarrying and she married a Dutch painter named Johan Goschlock, probably saying that wrong, but <laughs> Goschlock, and he supported her in everything she was doing. So, you know, she was spending so much of her time, you know, with all these paintings, trying to figure out what she was going to do. But she ended up meeting all these different art dealers. And so, one art dealer, Paul Casera, said, you know, I'll help you organize a exhibition of his paintings. Oh. And which had only happened one time when he was alive he did something and it was you know nobody of course nobody really came you know he didn't sell anything so she said okay well you know let's do this and they did it in Berlin she was organizing you know exactly which paintings were going to go into it it wasn't just like come here and take all of them it was like she really she was made sure to only give a few of them out at a time yeah and yeah women back then of course in that world were not You know, that there weren't women art dealers in the early 1900s. So in some ways it worked for her because they didn't really see her as a threat. They didn't see her coming. You know, she just was, you know, she was just like, oh, here I am with all these wonderful paintings. So they weren't really ever threatened with her. So they they were really great about, you know, working with her on this stuff. So before Teo died, um, he told her to never sell the paintings as a collection. Don't ever just sell like, here's everything, just sell them. He Mm -hmm. said, you know, sell, sell them one, one at a time to really build interest. So she, you know, she did exactly that. And there was a woman named Henry or Helen Kroller Mueller. She was a very wealthy German woman that was living in the Netherlands and she loved Van Gogh paintings. And so she started buying a few of them. She ended up actually having more than 91 paintings and drawings that she did that he did and so because she started doing that and it kind of started creating this buzz because, you know, here she's Here's this woman buying one or two at a time. Now you can see the whole collection in a museum that she she donated everything to this museum in her name after she passed away. That's in in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So they ended up, you know, like Joanna was so smart because how she handled everything. So she was able to control the circulation. She was able to control the narrative of everything. Um, but her biggest goal is that she wanted to have them in the public gallery. She wanted to have it so anybody could come see his paintings. Yeah. So She spent a lot of time um, at first over the years. She, Theo, as I had said earlier, saved all of his letters from his brother. And in these letters, or sometimes drawings. So there's some of his most famous paintings. And you could see the original, these original letters online. And mm-hmm. he's actually like working out, like, you know, it could be the picture of his bedroom, the yellow bedroom. And he's like basically sketching it out in this letter to his brother. And then he's making notes on this is gonna be this color and this is gonna be that color, which is just fascinating now. To yeah. see. So in these letters is basically, you know, here's here's Vincent in everything that's going on in his mind to his brother. You know what the ups and the downs and everything. So she started actually translating and transcribing all of these letters. And she oh, that was would, so smart. Yeah. She would release little pieces of it at a time. So, as she did that, um, it built up the mystic, and people wanted to know more about Vincent. Because no, back then, they didn't know Vincent like we know now. Like well, now, we are like, oh, he went through all these things. He was, you know, kind of went off the deep end at one point, but they didn't know that then. Yeah, of course. So in 1912, she lost her second husband and headed to. Oh, no. Now, Again. I know another one. So <laughs> she it's headed geez. to New York. In 1915, where her son with her son, and she stayed there for four years. And while she was there, she was working like night and day on the letters, and pu- putting them all together. And it was just it was just such an insight insight into his mind. But she wanted to be very careful that the story from her the letters didn't overtake the paintings. Like they want she wanted to make sure that the paintings spoke first. And mm-hmm. told the story, and then it was like, "Here's the backstory, a little bit of what of who he was." So she did that with, and then only did little pieces of it, releasing them um, for almost fourteen years. She's such a great PR person. Yeah, she totally is. So she kept her. She also kept um, her own very detailed diary from the time she was very little, and so her son later released some of it. And she wrote in one of them, she said, imagine for one moment my experience when I came back to Holland realizing the greatness and the nobility of the lonely artist's life. Oh. It just like almost makes me cry when I hear it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's so, wow. Yeah, so as her son's growing up, you know, here he is living in this home that's, you know, covered with Van Gogh's all over the walls, like wow. over 200 paintings she kept in the house. And so she, you know, and, but one of her very favorite ones um, was the, one of the sunflower ones. And he paint, you know, everybody knows Van Gogh's sunflowers. And he felt those were his, you know, that was his flower. Because everybody's doing roses and peonies and everything. And he was like, nobody's doing sunflowers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that he switched it up. He was right. No one did do
1: sunflowers. Yeah. So in 1924, um, a gentleman from the National Gallery in London named Jim Ean and Came over to see her and they were given a very large amount of money from Samuel Corteau, who was a very wealthy um, art enthusiast, and he gave them this money with the express intent to buy modern artists. And so Jim would come visit Joanna and, say, and try to convince her to sell this one specific sunflower painting. Oh. And she said, no, she's like, no, it's not for sale. She saw, she saw this painting every day of her life for 30 years and she didn't want to part with it. Oh. And it was also one of her, it was also her husband's favorite painting that, that, that Van Gogh did. So she was just like, Nope, I, you know, it's not for sale, but Jim kept, persisting and he didn't let up and when she, right before she died she sent him a letter and said that she would sell it to them ah. and it was mostly because vincent had spent time in london and he had visited that same museum and she thought this was exactly what he would want you know he would want to be you know in this museum where you know he once visited and now one of his you know becomes one of his most famous paintings is now hanging on the wall i like that that was the reason she allowed that to happen. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's just I just love this story so much. So you know he he believed that this the 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 sunflower is also his symbol. You know because it's the bright yellow and the you know but they're not all perfect. Some of the paint, some of the sunflowers he painted. Some of the some of the flowers in the painting are like dying. Like they don't have the petals on anymore. They look kind of you know old and and you know a little creaky (laughs) but you know i could see looking at that and looking if you if you look at a bunch of them together and know what he was going through mentally at that time that he painted those you could see that like that definitely comes through in those paintings and it's just kind of heart-wrenching so um but in in 1914 she ended up publishing all three three volumes filled with their letters and there was more than 650 letters 650. 650 letters, basically all from Vincent to Teo. They had um, since over time, they found more. They found even more letters of like ones that, he, that Vincent had sent other people and they've added on to these things. But, you know, and then she then she took the t- a ton of time. She started to take um, time to translate them all then into English as well. That's fascinating. I mean, it's so
0: crazy that she did all this when she was really only with both of them for two years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Only two years. That's and wild. Like, and at first they freaked her out. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course they were being and creepy. Were yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, the, the, in, the letters gave such an inside access to his art. And, you know, I saw this one quote that says you can hang a painting on a wall, but that's not how people get to know an artist or his work. And it's so true because You know, I have so many different artists that I love. Um, Sometimes it's like, you know, Delacroix, who I fell in love with Liberty leading the people. But then I did so much research on the man that I ended up being like loving everything that he did. And then his Mm -hmm. art takes on a whole new meaning. So, you know, I think that like Van Gogh, you could look and be like, oh, his paintings are so bright and cheerful and lots of yellow. But, you know, knowing more about his story, it draws you to them even more
0: yeah i think it's so much important when you look at any piece of art to know the history behind it that's what i love about going to museums if you just look at something you're like right but when you know
1: what they went through and what mediums they used it's so much more interesting yeah and the the story of the people in the paintings and it's just you know and why they painted it or just any of that stuff is just so incredibly fascinating it really is and amazing what she did to help them yeah i mean it, it definitely without without joanna we would not know. There might not be a Vincent Van Gogh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, you know, her brother said destroy these if they had left him there, you know, and, and, you know, with those, I think it, without those letters, we wouldn't really know who he was at all. That's so interesting. I would never think it was her. And she doesn't really get recognition
0: for that. Like we talk about a lot of the women in this podcast, I would have never have known that, you know, like, yeah. why is that not talked about more?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I've talked with people that um, know a lot, you know, are very big fans of art and I've mentioned her name and they haven't known. They were just like, what? And I'm like, no, I was like, Oh, Joanna Van Gogh. And Oh, she did this. And you know, she was basically, you know, was the guardian of his entire life and his legacy. And you know, they're just like, Oh, I didn't know that. Like, it's just kind of, I mean, what she did is so amazing and monumental. Mm -hmm you know, like I said, we wouldn't, I don't think we'd know Vincent Van Gogh. I don't think so
0: either. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. It's really interesting and and sad also. It's like, why, why didn't anyone talk about her? But I just can't believe it blows my mind that only two years spent with them and she did so much for them. I mean, it just proves how much she loved them.
1: Yeah. She devoted her whole, the rest of her life um, and, you know, the, her second husband was, you know, like, that's that's fine. I mean, he was a painter, too, so he probably understood. But on September 2nd, 1925, she died in the Netherlands at 62 years old. Again, not, that, not really that old. No. 62-year-old no, six, is not that old. So her son, um, she only had the one child, Vincent. And so she, he kind of picked up where she left off and basically did all that he could as well and in the they had set up a van gogh foundation that the family did and in the 1960s ended up selling the remaining 200 paintings that was in her original possession to and it became and it's what actually became the van gogh museum in amsterdam that opened in 1973
0: oh wow that makes so much sense i love that museum i visited years
1: ago it's huge there's so much there and that all came from her Yeah, I definitely want to go see that. And then now knowing that, you know, those were ones that she had, I'll be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) even more meaningful. Yeah. But she said, you know, in her diary, she wrote that, um, that Vincent gave her this serenity that Mm -hmm. there was like something being attached to him gave her just this peacefulness. And she said, I wish I could make you feel the influence Vincent had on my life
0: that is so sweet no it just makes me want to cry it really gets you to know him a little bit better because we only know his works we
1: don't really know his personality that well yeah we don't and so but you know here in 1914 you know Teo Teo died in the netherlands and he was buried there um but in 1914 she actually had his remains moved from Utrecht to auvers sur which is o- where um, Vincent's ba- buried, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And she, he was um, buried next to Vincent, next to his brother, which I just Uh-oh. also think is so, like, amazing that she ended up, you know, like, no, he needs to be they together.
0: That's very, like, thoughtful. Once again, two years and so many things.
1: <laughs> two years. Uh, but, like, if you see, uh, if you go visit it or you see pictures of it, I'll post a picture of it. But um, their grave is covered with this ivy. And the ivy was actually taken from Dr. Gachet's property, who was the doctor that was there with Vincent at the end of his life. And he did actually this really amazing painting of him that's in the Orsay. Um, Dr. Gachet actually had a his own, um, you know, he treated actually a lot of different artists and he amassed his own huge art collection. Most of it's all been donated to the Musée d'Orsay. And I wrote something about it because that's the other thing. Like you go to the museums, to just like just take a second and look at every one of those plaques and what yeah. it says. And what my fa- one of my favorite things to do is to see where it came from. So the provenance of anything is fascinating to me. And it'll say sometimes like you know, Kaibot, who was a huge French artist, he also had this huge collection, and a lot of the paintings on the fifth floor in the Impressionist Gallery at the Orsay were ones that he actually had. So if you get close enough, you read those plaques, just look at like who, where it came from or like it donated from. And then it's like, you know, here, Vincent did this painting of Dr. Gachet. He gave it to him. He kept it until the end of his life. And then it came to the Orsay, which is just so amazing.
0: It really is like it. Wow. <laughs> that history. I wish I would have known about her before and like everything. I mean, everyone knows Vincent, but this is so much more interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think we would know Vincent Bingo
0: nope not i mean like you said they probably would have destroyed all his stuff
1: yeah i think he would have been lost or it would have been one of those things like you know there's two or three paintings remaining and that was that's it but you know by sending doing that first uh exhibition in germany germany was actually one of the first places that really kind of fell in love with vincent mango and they'd had um they actually ended up having a lot of forgers there too because oh, really it was so popular <laughs> that um you know people everybody was just absolutely adored him and they were teaching him in the art schools and you know here's these young kids like recreating the sunflowers and stuff and so you know he was pretty big in germany first before anybody else really knew him huh i didn't know that yeah. once again learning yeah <laughs> i think it's also that woman that had a huge collection she was german too so yeah makes
0: sense yeah. well i mean what a fascinating history and once again, like they were all so connected and it's so obvious how much the brothers loved each other and supported each other up
1: until the end. And then his wife carried on that legacy. Yeah. I think she's pretty amazing. She's, you know, like Rose Valande, it's kind of like, she's the other one that I'm like, no, I want everyone to know who she was.
0: <laughs> Are there any books about her that we should not,
1: read? not very much, not that I've really been fi- found at least not that many in English. Huh? Okay. But I'll, definitely, yeah, I'll be looking and see what I can find. We might need Me to do one like for the book club.
0: Yeah, exactly. I would love to read more about her because it's obvious how much she cared. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Amazing woman.
0: Well, thank you so much again, Claudine, and tune in next week for another famous woman in French history.
1: Merci. Thank you for listening to Paris History avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.